Welcome to another edition of the Uptempo Podcast. I'm your host, Craig Cameron. Alongside me this week, we have Kelb Knight. Back once again. Kelb, how you doing? Doing good. It's good to be back. Uh, kind of upset that March Madness is over, but, you know, I'm glad we can go all in on the NBA now. Oh, for sure, man. I love the NBA. Best time of the year going into the playoffs. A lot at stake for these teams. Standing shaping out. March Madness is amazing, but NBA playoffs, man, two months of whole competitive basketball. Yeah. Seven game series, games every night of the week, no breaks. It's a great time. I love it. Yeah, I would say my favorite part of the NBA is that your championship game can't be a blowout like this. <laughs> or at least it can't be for four straight games. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, that's nice. Unless you're the Cavs and Warriors series in 2018, I want to uh, say. The first game was close. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah J.R. Smith, but we, we won't get into that. <laughs> I want to start out with this week, this episode, with the retirement of Lamarcus Aldridge. He announced it this week with a letter. I'll read it right here. Today, I write this letter with a heavy heart. My last game, I played while dealing with an irregular heartbeat. Later on that night, my rhythm got even worse, which really worried me even more. The next morning, I told the team what was going on, and they were great getting me to the hospital and getting me checked out. Though I'm better now, what I felt with my heart that night was still one of the scariest things I've ever experienced. With that being said, I've made this difficult decision to retire from the NBA. For 15 years, I've put basketball first, and now it is time to put my health and family first. I'm thankful for everything this game has given me, the great memories, including all the ups and downs, and the friendships I've made and will keep with me forever. I thank Portland for drafting a skinny Texas kid and giving him a chance. The city of Portland has given me some unforgettable years. They will always remain in my heart. I want to thank the, thank the Spurs for letting me into the family and giving me five fun years. Last but not least, I want to thank Brooklyn. You wanted me for me in a game that's changing so much, you asked for me to come in and just do what I do, which was good to hear. I'm sorry it didn't get to last long, but I've definitely had fun being a part of this special group. You never know when something will come to an end, so make sure you enjoy it every day. I can truly say I did just that. So, well, Marcus Aldridge retired from the NBA... What was his career made of, Kilb? You know, you look at it, uh, he was not a role player. I mean, he was kind of like, uh, if a role player could also be a superstar, you know? Yeah. He uh, he played in the league forever. I didn't realize how long it had been until I like went and looked back at his career. About, uh, about 15 years. Yeah, I think his, you know, when you look back at L.A., it's, he was a trailblazer, literally. No pun intended. Uh, yeah. <laughs> I think everyone's going to kind of remember him. As, you know, that guy from Portland who partnered with uh, Dame and McCollum, who, you know, you really wish would have won a ring. Um, I like to always think about his 56-point game against San Antonio that feels unreal. Yeah. It feels like a video game thing. 2019, you know? two years ago. Yeah, that feels, first of all, that feels like longer than two years ago, 2019. Yeah. <laughs> but, uh, you know, that, guy, that game was kind of like, well, now, wait a minute, he can still he can still score. It's a big man, he's supposed to score like that. But um I don't know, it's just sad. You know. Take away the stats, I like this career part. It's just kinda sad that uh had, had like to, with a heart condition, you know? Yeah. yeah. Uh it reminds me kinda of the Bosch thing. Yes. A, yes. a lot of the Chris Bosch scenario, at least uh just you know, mid season out of the blue yeah. with you know, a championship, you know, in the future. Yeah, he didn't kinda wait it out like Bosch did, but it's a it's sad. I mean, that's really the only word I can come up with. I don't guess it hurts Brooklyn. I mean, it, it does from kind of a rebounding standpoint. I think Brooklyn will be okay. 
it's just good to see that he chose to take care of himself because that affects his family as well. You see a lot of guys mainly in football or something, you get injured and you kind of play through it. Yeah. But this, you know, being a heart injury, you can't just kind of play through this one. Yeah, and he had a great career, played 1,029 games, about 19.4 points per game, 49% shooting from the field, just over eight rebounds a game, two assists per game. Is he a Hall of Famer to you? I don't, I don't think he is. I think uh, he's kind of like that borderline. Yeah, he's one. You know, if you put him in, okay. There's, there's some questionable people in it. If you yeah. don't, I, I get that argument too. Uh, I think, you know, his time with Portland when they were just so much fun to watch. That was like a Hall of Fameish era, like just that little group right there. But I don't, I don't think he's a Hall of Fame player. It's funny timing. You know, Julian Edwin retired earlier this week too from football. You can kind of have that same discussion there, you know, yeah. toss up. Yeah, for sure. And it is it is sad to see, you know, him end his stint with Brooklyn so soon. Only played five games with them. And would have been a, I would say, a big role in their playoff performance if they, you know, them going forward with maybe making the finals. They're look like the favorite trend on the East to do so. He would have been a big presence for them down low with, you know, DeAndre Jordan and Blake Griffin. In that group. Yeah, given uh, that the finals is likely going to be the Nets, the Lakers, unless something crazy happens, he would have matched up well, I think, from the bench aspect. Because once DeAndre Jordan and Blake Griffin are out, the Lakers can still replace Drummond and Davis with Marquise Morris and Marc Gasol. Brooklyn doesn't have anybody to match up there. I think L.A. could have played that role well. But, uh, you know, it, it happens. You hate it, but it happens. It does happen. And we're going to get into more injuries right now. It's a ton. <laughs> it, there's a ton in the NBA right now. It's, it's sad. And the biggest one this past week, along with Marcus's jersey, uh, not jersey retirement, <laughs> career Do retirement. Do you think his jersey will get retired? Damian Lillard tweeted that out, and he said put 12 in the Raptors. For Portland, yeah. I, I could see it. I definitely could see it. I mean, Portland, there's not that many great players. They've had some guys. Yeah. I like it. Yeah. Yeah, I would definitely say for Portland, yeah. Yeah, good on Dame for throwing that out there. Start that movement early. Yeah, for sure. I like it. <laughs> and along with that, though, with just the injuries and the, you know, with Marcus Aldridge having that scary moment this week, another scary moment happened with the Nuggets-Warriors game. Jamal Murray with less than a minute to play. Game already decided, which is the worst part about this. Goes down with a knee injury. Non-contact. Grabs his knee after it buckles on a layup attempt. We later found out it was an ACL. How does this affect the Nuggets going forward? I think it hurts them. I think it hurts them bad. I agree with you. Uh, it, the worst part about it was the game was over. Yes. There's 53 seconds left, something like that. I think it's really going to hurt Denver offensively. Uh, you know, scoring-wise, MPJ, apparently now that's a thing, him scoring. And uh, <laughs> Jokic, uh, but... The Joker. The Joker, man. Murray, you know... The playoffs last year, the the 3-1 comeback, Murray yeah, backpacked them. Two 3-1 comebacks. Yeah, I mean, Jamal Murray, that it's going to hurt him. I think if the seeding stays how it is and they end up having the Lakers, I uh, could see a sweep. Yeah, it's, it's very sad to see it, too, because he's a young star in the league, coming off an incredible NBA bubble last fall. Like you said, had great games in those, se- uh, those series against the Jazz and the Clippers in those comebacks. Had two... 50-point games yeah. in that Jazz series. That has never happened before. And Don Mitchell and Jamal Murray both did it in that same series. That series was so much fun. It was. It was. Great. And 
I was really looking forward to a Nuggets-Lakers matchup in the playoffs this year with Anthony Davis and LeBron James both being injured the last couple months for the last couple weeks, at least for LeBron. They have set back in the standings, fallen back to the fifth seed right now. The Nuggets sitting at fourth seed. It was looking like a future Western Conference Finals rematch from last year's playoffs in the first round. And we might not get that now. We may still get it, but it won't be the same without Jamal Murray. Yeah, it won't be the same at all. It won't be fun. I'd rather just not see it. I mean, <laughs> like you said, it, it really could be a sweep. Yeah, it 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 changes the Nuggets' offensive dynamic completely. Just and after after getting Aaron Gordon, you trade away Gary Harris, another well-known shooting guard for the, yeah. the, the Nuggets the last couple of seasons. Big part of their offense, and now, you know, the last couple of years they've relied on Jamal Murray and Gary Harris as their starting backcourt. Now they have neither one of them going in the playoffs this year. Who's going to step up guard-wise, or at least scoring-wise, from Denver? Well, you know, based off the the 14th, the game against the Heat, maybe Michael Porter Jr. Maybe that's <laughs> a thing now. It needs to be. It needs to be, though, because Michael Porter Jr., he's a young star in this league. I feel like he can transition into maybe a potential all-star in the future. He has the body type. He has the, like, the built frame. He has a scoring, the size, the height. The wingspan. I mean, he he could be a all star. He could yeah. be a star in this league, and I feel like this could be the point where he could transition into that. The scoring needs to come from somewhere. You're not gonna get from Nikola Jokic and Aaron Gordon every night. Yeah, yeah. And Monte Morris can only do so much. Will Barton can only do so much. Yeah, I think I think, um, he, has, I think he, has, he has to be that second guy behind the Joker. Yeah, I think it's gotta be. Um, you know, you you hate it for Murray, but for for MPJ standpoint. This is the perfect time for you to step up your game, like you yep. were saying. He's in that prom spot. You've got Joker, who's a great player, but you know he's going to help you on the defensive end and the rebounding side. But scoring-wise, it's your turn. Because, I mean, Aaron Gordon is not going to put up 25 a night, I don't think. No. I mean, he needs to step up. I don't think it'll carry him to a playoff run or anything, but you know it can help him career-wise. And the Lakers right now, they're in a – Weird spot in the playoff yeah. stands because, you know, they're sitting at the fifth seed, but they're technically the favorite in the West. Right, yeah. And you could see, you know, instead of the two best teams in the West playing in the conference finals, you could see, you know, the Lakers and maybe the Jazz or the Suns play in the second round. Yeah. And that's that's pretty scary if you're the Jazz or the Suns right now after an incredible season. But that's how injuries happen. Injuries play a role in the season. You get players out for most of the year. And... Like in the wet in the East, we've seen it with James Harden out for the last couple of games with a hamstring injury. Kevin Durant's been out with a calf strain and ankle injuries. Kyrie Irving's been out for personal reasons. We don't know. Yeah, uh, <laughs> he just takes nights off. But these teams, you know, rest players. They have player injuries, and it impacts the standings because these teams don't win their games they're supposed to without their best players, and then they just fall back in the standings, and they're the worst spot they need. It should be. Yeah. And it's, I think part of it from a fan perspective is, you know, usually in a normal season, it feels weird having to say normal like that. From a fan perspective, I'm in the mindset of, okay, playoffs are about to start. Teams got to get it together. But you look, there's still, you know, 20-something games left, 30-something. And uh, teams are okay. You don't have to rush back right now. I think we're about around the 18-game mark with how many games we have left. I think it's, it's just under 20. I think we hit 20 this week. That's sad. Yeah, I wish we had more. I'm ready for the playoffs though. I mean, I, yeah. I am. Yeah. I will say this: I am tired because Adam Silver in the NBA, I think, did a poor job of handling the scheduling. 
And yeah. I think that's why we're seeing so many injuries because we're having so many back-to-backs. Yeah. And as a, as us being Heat fans, I pay more attention to them. Miami has eight games in the next two weeks and 12 days. Yeah. That's just... that's just asking for injuries, in my opinion. And, you know, Jamal Murray, that Nuggets injury came off the second out of back-to-back. You know, you look back at it now, everything's easier to look at once you're past it. But, you know, maybe they should have cut the games back, the number of games back more. Um, what is it, 68? Something? 72 games. Oh, as well. And <laughs> they basically stretched it because usually you have the NBA start around the October 22nd, 24th yeah. mark. This year it started two months later. And you only cut back 10 games. And you only games. cut back 10 games and you only went a month further right basically you started two months later but you're starting the playoffs one month later yeah it doesn't it doesn't match up yeah they're just trying to line up to where they can comfortably start next season as it normally would which is fine and dandy until you get stuff like this forcing too many games into the regular season and and with that real it doesn't the regular season doesn't really matter for your upper half of the teams but and along with that it was a quick turnaround they the nba finals finished I think October thirteenth. Yeah. And the NBA start, the next season started two months later. Yeah, it was what like maybe a hundred days for yeah. the, the Heat something, and the Lakers. Something to, like that. No, yeah. actually, it was it was less than that. Yeah, yeah, it was. I think it was like I want to say like eighty six days. It was just crazy. You you play the NBA finals and not even a hundred days later you're starting the next season. Yeah. And it's it's tough on these players' bodies. I mean, like we've that's. Maybe that's why Anthony Davis and LeBron James are injured right now. Maybe. Just I mean, like wear and tear on their bodies. Like, I mean, quick turnaround. Yeah, and obviously we don't know, but uh, load management is the thing. Who's to say, you know, these injuries, they were injuries, and now it's like, hey, the, the playoffs are about to start. Let's chill out a little bit. It's, it's tough with injuries because we're seeing it with, you know, the Nets, the big part. The Nets are the favorite in the East. However, they have only they played less than 10 games with their big three. I know, and that's like... That's every, very scary. It's weird because everyone's like, yeah, when they're all healthy and together, they're going to be unstoppable. Yeah, maybe so, but... We, we saw with, you know, the Heat in 2010 with, you know, Wade Bosch and LeBron. Yeah. It took them more than 10 games. It took them more than a season to get exactly. going. Exactly. Like, they, you got to think they'll play together and get comfortable before yeah. the playoffs, sooner or later. And I don't know if you saw Ben Simmons tweet out and said that there was only one ball... And three ball dominant handlers. See, I don't, I don't like that argument. I used to make it, but there's always one ball. Yeah. There's always, you know, ten guys on the court, it's, which is three guys who can create their own shot. Yeah. But at the same time, there is, there is only one ball. Yeah, but <laughs> at the same time, you know, say you got one ball, you only got one guy who can create a shot. You know, now you can dish it off. Hey, this guy can create his, or yeah. this guy can create his. I don't, I don't see it as. Yeah. As big a problem as people make it out to be. Which, I, I do agree the Nets have to be the favorite. It's just, I would not be shocked if they didn't make the finals. Because I, I feel like, you yeah. know, with Philadelphia and Milwaukee, they are very team-heavy chemistry-wise. Yeah. They got some great shooters, got some great guys down low. If Philadelphia, the Sixers, and the Nets play in a series, Joel Embiid is going to tear the, the Nets' front court up. Yeah. Yeah, I mean it's not even be close. There's there's no one on that Nets team that can guard him, especially now that Marcus Aldridge is out. It's just taking away depth. You got Nicholas Claxton, DeAndre Jordan, Blake Griffin. They will help out, but you're not stopping Joel Embiid. No, not at and all. And you're not stopping Giannis. 
You're not stopping Bam Adebayo. You're not stopping Clint Capella. It's, it's going to be tough. And, you know, defense has been a liability for this Nets team. And the injuries not helping Brooklyn with the, the big three not playing together as much. Yeah. The players are sitting out. They haven't gotten their chemistry going. It's going to be interesting to see how that plays out. Interesting. I mean, the perfect way to describe it. But I think... You know, they're going to struggle in the front court, but you got three guys who are lights out from anywhere. Yeah. So, I mean, that's obviously going to help them. Milwaukee can't shoot with them. I think on their best night, the only team in the East that could shoot with Brooklyn is Miami. And that's, you know, it's not biased. I think if all their shooters are on, I think that's how it would go. Um, and I would say Milwaukee or Philadelphia, too, just because they have surrounded. Giannis and Ben Simmons with outside shooters like Philadelphia just trade for Seth Curry. Yeah. They got Tobias Harris. They still have Danny Green, right? I'm I think sure. I'm pretty sure they do. Yeah, and then you have Milwaukee with Dante DiVincenzo, Drew Holiday, Chris Middleton. Yeah. You got some pretty dominant three-point shooting perimeter players on those teams. And like you said, Miami with Duncan Robinson and Tower Hero. That team, I mean, one of the games that Big 3 played together was back in, I believe, January. And the Heat almost beat the Nets without Jimmy Butler and Tower Hero. Yeah. And that's what I was talking about. Bam Adebayo had 40-plus points against them because they struggle against defending paint players. Yeah. And that's what we could see in these playoffs. I feel like, you know, with the, like the scouting going into this, this series, these teams are going to focus on how we score in the paint against them. This, this Brooklyn Nets team, they're not good defensively. And I feel no. like if you can get stops and just score enough, you could win some games against them in the, in the playoff series yeah. and possibly get an upset. Who do you think from the East would have the best shot to beat them? See if you're thinking what I'm thinking. I want to say Philadelphia yeah. just because Joel Embiid is so dominant and they got shooters and Ben Simmons can easily score at will in the paint also. Yeah, and with- he's a great perimeter defender as well. I want to say Milwaukee... And Miami, if Miami can get healthy with Victor Oladipo yeah. and they can get consistent scoring, I would like to say them as well. Another injury to discuss, Victor Oladipo getting hurt last week against the Lakers. Came down uh, against them after a dunk. Grabbed his knee after it kind of like buckled on a no-contact injury. Got an x-ray, came back negative. Got an MRI, came back negative. Sigh of relief. At the same time, it's kind of scary because you don't really know what's wrong with his knee. It's just... I guess a lot of tension. We're just yeah. swelling. We're pain from the last surgery. Yeah, I'm not sure exactly what it is. And it, it sucks because that game felt like he was getting to break out with yes. Miami. You know, yeah, it he, felt like he was finally almost there. I'm pretty sure he had like 18 points in 25 minutes yeah. on 5 of 8 shooting. Yeah, I mean, he that felt like the game. If he's healthy, the Heat are probably a different team this week. Yeah, for sure. Another team to talk about with injuries, I think they're a team that can give someone a trouble in a series, but I think still think they're a first-round exit. Great season, though, by the Charlotte Hornets. LaMelo Ball fracturing his wrist. He's out. P.J. Washington's out with an ankle injury right now. Gordon Hayward's out with an ankle injury. Malik Monk's been out. Devontae Graham's been out. They are still finding ways to win games. This, yep. ro- this coach, this team, this roster – they're winning no matter who they got on the floor, and it's been impressive. Miles Bridges, I don't know if you've seen his incredible dunks the last couple of weeks. Yeah. They're a fun team to watch, and it's hard not to root it for them. Yeah, they're they're fun. They're so much fun. It's like... Their commentator's fun. Yeah. <laughs> Terry, two beauties, I mean. <laughs> yeah, I'm with you. I think they would make for a fun playoff series. Yeah. I don't know if they could win a playoff series. Yeah. But, you know, definitely they're up there. I think... 
I guess is a later segment, but I do think the Bulls, if if they could sneak in, I would like to see the Bulls play. I don't know that they could make a run. but They, they, they could make a play-in uh, game right now. Yeah, and, 10 seed. you know, post-trade, Chicago's getting better. Vucevic? Yeah, yeah, they finally gave Zach Levine somebody else. Yeah. <laughs> And Zach Levine is actually out right now with COVID safety protocols. So he'll be out for an extended amount of time, which really, really hurts them. It'll be interesting to see how the things play on the East. But right now, I want to talk about the Atlanta Hawks. Ever since they fired Lloyd Pierce, they have been an entirely different team. 16-5 and since hiring Nate McMillan as their interim coach. The coach who led the Indiana Pacers to the four seed last year. Yep is now the four seed this year with the Atlanta Hawks. Coincidence? <laughs> I think not. Yes, sir. <laughs> I I like the hire. Even with Trey Young, they're still, without Trey Young, they're still winning games. I kind of want to hope they play the Heat in the first round, but also kind of don't. That'd be a fun series to watch. It would be. I don't think for us the outcome would be fun if things carry on the way they're going right now. Yeah. But, you know. And- I'll put it this way. The Hawks had some great signs this offseason. They got, obviously, you get Clint Capella in the trade last year. Did not yep. play until this season. Danilo Gallinari got signed by them this offseason. You get Bogdanovich. You get, a, you get a lot of great players. You get Ray John Rondo. You get Heat legend Solomon Hill. <laughs> yes, sir. <laughs> yes, you, you, get, you, get, here's thing, you get Ray John Rondo in free agency. Then you trade him for Lou Williams back to the Hawks. Yeah. This is a great team. They got some great scores. You have a defensive-minded coach finally with Nate McMillan. I've said this for the last couple of years. If... This young offensive core can just get a great defensive-minded coach. They can go far, and they are ahead of schedule right now with this young team, this young core. And they're winning games without DeAndre Hunter. DeAndre Hunter's been out the last couple of months with an with injury. Once they get him back, they're going to get scarier. Right now, they're sitting in fourth place in the East. Nate McMillan, I'm not sure why he got fired from Indiana. Yeah, I'm not sure what Indiana was, what their motive was with... You, you get swept in the first round by the Heat. They go on to make the finals. You're without two of your best players with Sabonis and Aldipo in that series. Sabonis out the entire series. Aldipo, he got injured midway through the series. He was out for a little bit of time. I don't know what you were doing because you're the four seed. You fire your coach. You drop to the ninth seed. They hire Nate Millen as an assistant coach in Atlanta. They were the 14th seed last year. You go from the 14th seed to the four seed this year. Yeah. And you are... 16 and 5 since hiring him as your head, interim head coach. They were 14 and 20 just a little over a month ago. Yeah, and you know, some people are going to make the argument there were a lot of big Lloyd Pierce fans. I liked him. They were like, you know, he just needs more time. Uh, some people now are going to make the argument, well, it's an interim coach. The players are just kind of playing for themselves. That's why they're doing good. No, I think Nate McMillan's a great coach. I think the most interesting, or not interesting, fun player for the Hawks right now not named Trey Young is Bogdan Bogdanovich. He dropped 32 the other night against Charlotte with I think eight three-pointers. Like where did that come from? I mean honestly. He's been insane for them. He was he was great off the bench in Sacramento. He got some starts over there in California as well. However he's he's on a competitive team now. I think you know yeah. it's set this game up when you're when you're in a playoff race for the postseason and you're finally on a Winning team, it, yeah. it changes your yeah. winning mode of your uh, your game. So, I think he's been a lot better with the Hawks and Trey Young stepped up big this season. Clint Capella has been huge, huge for them defensively in the paint. They're only gonna get better. They're looking dangerous right now. They are 
five games above 500 at this yeah. point of the season with 20 games to go. If the season ended right now, they'd play Boston, yes. which I like that. That'd be a fun series to watch. It would be because Boston is the opposite of this team. They're just they've bad. Been, they've been disappointing. They're bad. Yeah, yeah. I mean, kind of. I mean, I would say the disappointing teams in the East have been the two teams that finished top two last year: the Heat and the Celtics. It's been COVID, injuries, lack of chemistry, lack of playing together, inconsistency. You'll win four games, you'll lose six games, you'll win five games, you'll lose three games. I mean, it's just all over the place. I know Jimmy Butler missed 12 games at the beginning of the year. You had Goran Dragic miss nine games. Jason Tatum missing time with them. John Brown missed time. You had Marcus Smart out for an extended amount of time with his injury. It's just, it's not been the same year for the, both these teams, and Obviously, like you said, Duncan Robinson, Tyler Hero, they have not looked the same. Right. They've looked better since the trade deadline. However, they're still fighting for those that playoff seating. And teams like Atlanta do not care. They're 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 full steam ahead. It's like Atlanta's like, hey, we don't have any expectations. Yeah. So let's just go play. And you know, Boston ECF last year. And My they eight. didn't make any changes, Boston, and it's the same team. They added uh, Evan Fournier. Yeah, that's the only addition that was at the trade deadline, and it's not like they've been getting blown out there in there. They just can't close out a game. It feels like it's been odd too, because I know Miami has allowed more points per game than they have scored more points per game. Yeah, and they're still above five hundred. Boston's right there with Miami with above five hundred. However, they've scored two more points per game than their opponents, but they're still like around the same area as Miami. Yeah. You know, they've they've gotten some good blowout wins, but they've also lost a lot of close games. So they're like to the right in there, and this is all gonna fluctuate over the last couple of weeks. It's gonna be incredible to watch on the stretch. There's gonna be a lot of entertaining games. I know Miami and Boston play twice before the season yep. ends. There's so much to be played for the last couple of weeks, yep. and it everything's within one to two games in those seedings. Nothing's set in stone right now. It's all gonna change. We'll have to see what happens, but pretty much set with Milwaukee, right, right. Philadelphia, and Brooklyn. Outside that top three, it's up for grabs. Yeah, and that's what I love about the East. I think I've said it on here before, is when it comes down to right before the playoffs, there's constantly movement. And, yeah, there's movement in the West, but it's usually from the same eight teams who are going to be in the playoffs. There's not really any outliers. There's maybe one or two. The East, like four through 12, constant movement. Any of those could be yeah. in. And it's just, that's why I love the Eastern Conference come you know, end of the regular season. Earlier in the week, Charlotte plays Atlanta. Atlanta's a five seed. Charlotte's a four seed. Atlanta beats Charlotte, goes to the four seed. Uh, Charlotte has now dropped to the eight seed the last couple games after losing. Yeah, and like right now, Chicago, the Bulls are 10th right now. If they win their next three and Boston loses three, they could go from the 10th up to fifth. Like, that's just, why does the East do that? I don't know, but I love it. (laughs) I do love it. It's... (laughs) It's so entertaining, man. Like like last year, we didn't have this in the East. Like, you know, the East was not yeah. as competitive. You had the Magic, the Nets, and the Sixers, the bottom three seeds with 6-7-8. Yeah. Philadelphia played Boston the first round of the sixth seed, but you had Ben Simmons injured. You had other injuries on that team. I believe it was Al Horford, I want to say. Yeah. He was on the team. Yeah, yeah, last year. And it was pretty much the Joe Embiid show, and that was it. Joe Embiid put up monster numbers in that series. It ended up getting swept with them, and then the Nets and Magic just got handled by the yeah. Raptors and the Bucks. So this year, I don't see that happening. Of course, 
I believe the Nets and the Sixers might gentlemen sweep the seven eight yeah. seed, depending on who it is. Like maybe it's like I want to say maybe New York the Knicks. Yeah, it's I feel like it could be competitive because if you get a Brooklyn New York series, yeah, that's fine for the city and New York is a top three defensive team in the league right now this season. That would be and an Bro- we, we all we all we all know Brooklyn is not the best at defense, right? So Brooklyn would struggle. I want to say the score while New York would easily score. Yeah, yeah. And, and I, I want to say you know Brooklyn's offense would carry the load for them with you know they'd find ways to score eventually. Right. But at the same time, like they played close games this season. I want to say the last two games have come down to one possession. That could be interesting. You could also get a Milwaukee Charlotte series or a Philadelphia Charlotte series. Mm-hmm. Every team, it feels like he's so streaky. Like, you know, yeah. Miami and Boston were, you know, really good at one point. Now they're really bad. Say Miami catches fire at the right time in the playoffs, it's Brooklyn as a two versus if everything were to stay how it is, seven seed Miami. That's not your typical two seven matchup. That's going to be, it's going to play out like a four or five. You know, it's going to yeah. be back and forth. It's just all about who's streaking at the right time. It feels like uh, the NCAA tournament. It's all about getting hot at the right time. I think, it's all about matchups. Yeah. I mean, I think it's going to happen in the playoffs this year. Who can be hot? Can Atlanta stay hot? Can Boston get hot? Yeah, it's been crazy in the West, too, with you know the Lakers and the Nuggets maybe playing in the first round right now with the, all the injuries happening. No. I would like to say the Lakers sweep them, give them their business without Jamal Murray, with LeBron AD back. And you could have even the Clippers and the Trailblazers play in the first round. That would be an interesting series with Demi Lillard, the way he's playing this year. Yeah. The West and the East this year have been so competitive in their own ways. I yep. would definitely take the West over the East. I think but so. But both conferences are, are competitive in their own ways. I will put it at that. The Suns and the Jazz played last week. Fantastic game. Went to overtime. It was an amazing game. Could you see that as a conference finals game? Or do you think the Lakers will play one of those I, games? I could. I'm not going to. I mean, anything can happen. I think. Because I, I would love to see that as a playoff series. Yeah. Who do you think would pair... With the Lakers better, Utah or Phoenix? I think Phoenix could outshoot the Lakers. I think from a defensive standpoint, Utah has yeah. that edge. I would love to see Utah and Phoenix match up somehow. If I had to pick one team to beat the Lakers, I would take the Suns. Because I would take Chris Paul's veteran experience. You got Devin Booker the score. Mikael Bridges, a great two-way guard slash forward. Jay Crowder, guy who can guard LeBron. Not stop him, but... Guard him, yeah. slow him down at least a little bit, and then DeAndre Aiden to handle not handle but go against Anthony Davis and Andre Drummond. Aiden has been insane this year on his his jump from his rookie year to his second year. I think Chris Paul's been a huge part of that. And then off the bench, you got shooters, you got defensive players. I think Frank the Tank, Frank Kaminsky, yeah. been, he's been great for them this year. Also off Cameron the bench, Cameron Payne. Cameron Payne's been great. They signed him midseason. Tory Craig's been great uh, for them off the bench as well. They, they have a great team, and I feel like you know, the Jazz and Suns are very identical. That's why I would love to see them as a playoff series. I don't think the Lakers are going to get upset in the second round. No, if they yeah. do, it's going to be because of shooting. Something crazy would have to happen, I think, just because, I mean... It, I want to say crazy. It's LeBron. It would just be <laughs> shocking, but at the same time, the reason we're saying that is because the last nine seasons that LeBron's made the playoffs, he's, he's made the finals. Yeah. It's crazy to think that they might, the Lakers might be a four or five seed this year, and we've seen that with, in the past with LeBron taking the four seed Cavs to the playoffs. Yeah. However, 
there were a lot of injuries in that in that Boston team that LeBron faced that year. Right. Yeah. So there unless someone gets injured, you're gonna have a team like LeBron and the Lakers, the favorites, playing a dominant Jazz team or a dominant Suns team in the second round. That's just weird to hear. Dominant Jazz and Dominant Suns team. Last the Suns time, are back, man. Yeah, last time <laughs> I was I was on here early in the season. The Jazz yeah. were the best team in basketball, like the best record and everything. And Still are. Yeah, and we that's exactly what I was getting at. It was like, is this gonna is hold this, up? Is or, this real? Yeah. It's like, is it gonna hold up? Is it gonna maintain or is it because, you know, shortened season it's just, you know, we're you know, fifteen games in, is it gonna stay? It stayed. It did. And that's They had a little shaky break over the uh the last couple, uh, the first couple games after the All Star break, but yeah. now they got going again. Right. Yeah. And Donovan Mitchell's been insane this past stretch. He had, I think, three forty point games. Where he's he's averaging three forty points per game this past week. Is he in your MVP race? Absolutely. Good. Absolutely. Donovan Mitchell. I mean, you're the best player on the best team. You have to be at least in the top ten the MVP race. Yeah. I guess going with this and kind of seesawing with what we were talking about earlier with the conferences. How you know the West is just so much stronger? Does that kind of make you lean towards your playoffs being one through sixteen best teams? Do you think they should kind of remove the conferences from the playoffs, or do you think it should stay how it is? I think if they were going to do that last year, when the perfect time to do it, as mm-hmm. far as testing it or starting it yeah. with the NBA bubble, everyone being in one city, because the big thing is is traveling, right? And they discussed it already with Miami and Portland being like 2,500, 3,000 miles mm-hmm. away from each other. Just opposite sides if of the you country, had, yeah. yeah. If you had those two teams play like a first-round matchup or like a, even like a, any matchup, yes, you can get that in the finals. But they purposely spaced the games out in the finals because of West-East travel. Yeah. You're not going to have those games spaced out in the first round. You're going to have games every two days. Mm-hmm. It would be super hard on your body to adjust to that. You know, jet lag and everything. Yeah. With, that's a four-hour time like, difference. Yeah, like, and a perfect example would be last year's finals. Jimmy Butler, can you imagine him playing 47 minutes, and hopping on a plane, and having to play two days later, dealing with it with jet lag? Yeah. I mean, come on. It it would be fun. I think it would make the playoffs a lot more interesting. I mean, they're already interesting already, but I just, yeah, I don't know how you could pull it off. Yeah, I I don't think they'd do it anytime soon. If they were going to do it, they would have done the last year in the bubble. Because yeah. they, they were discussing it, and I think that would have been the perfect time to tr- try it out. Cause... Yeah, that would have been the perfect kind of trial run. I know yeah. it was kind of last minute, but, you know, baseball tested out new rules. You know, I think the NFL did a few things differently. That was their time to kind of at least tweak something. Yeah. I, I don't see it happening anytime soon. Other than that, man, spiraling down to a great season. Hopefully everyone comes back from injury before the playoffs. Hope the best for Jamal Murray, and hopefully we can get – Anthony Davis, LeBron, Victor Oladipo, Kevin Durant, James Harden, everyone back to full health, ready to go for the postseason. I hate injuries. It's one of the worst things in sports. It happens. You have to deal with it. Yeah. But it's so hard to watch when it happens. Hats off to a great career from Marcus Aldridge. Hope the best for him in retirement. I'm sure he'll – I want to say he'll probably be want to go into coaching. I mean, most player, most yeah. NBA players do, uh, whether it be high school or college or just anything like helping out. And I think it helps that, to me at least, he looks like Tim Duncan. And, you know, Tim Duncan's already coaching. I can Dude, see I love it. Tim Duncan as yeah. a coach. He's, he's been great with the Spurs. Jumping, though, from NBA to college basketball, we got some stuff to talk about as far as postseason goes with offseason, recruiting, transfer portals. Kill, what you got for us, man? I mean, it's mainly transfers right now. 
the weirdest one, I don't guess it was weird, it happens. Christian Lander, probably out of everyone who has entered the transfer portal so far, was he was the best player in it. He, you know, left Indiana, hop in the transfer portal, right back to Indiana. Didn't go nowhere, just said, you know what, never mind. I'm cool here, we're just going to stay. The one that I guess is kind of biased towards me, Iowa State had Tyler Harris and Jalen Lands enter the transfer portal. Neither of them have decided, but I wouldn't want to rejoin a two-win team. <laughs> That's going through, They're going through a coaching change, but uh, I wouldn't want to rejoin them. On the inverse of that, Caleb Grill, he used to play at Iowa State, followed uh, Oitzelberger, Iowa State's old assistant, to UNLV, and now has followed him back to Iowa State, so that's cool. Bama's got some great signees, transfers. They got uh, Burnett from Texas Tech. It's weird. How do you feel about the transfer portal? I like it, and it's been incredible this year with COVID because a lot of players getting extra eligibility. You are having to make roster moves that you haven't really ever made in the past. Yeah. With You're having to side your final roster situation with players getting transferred in, better players than your be- your deep bench players wanting to play for you. These teams next year are going to be insane with depth. And not even that, mid-major colleges, the you know the bottom of the conference teams, like Iowa State, Vanderbilt, yeah. like teams you don't even think of, they could end up getting some pretty good recruits of Players transferring from schools that got better players and they had to go somewhere else. We could see a lot of upsets next year and a lot of competitive play just in college basketball in general. I like the transfer portal and I think it's been great because of COVID with players having the chance to further their career instead of having to like just end it soon, sooner rather than right, later right. because of COVID. It is, it's frustrating when you get a player who, you know, freshman year isn't going to start and he just kind of hops, just yeah. dips out. The the most important, not important, the most notable one that I can think of was Blake Barnett. That's football, I know. But, you know, Alabama, he lost it to Jalen Hurts. In the meeting, it was like, all right, I'm going to head out to Arizona State. I'll see you all later. It does help teams, like like you were saying, bottom of the conference. Arkansas is a great example of that. They got Audis Tony from Pitt earlier this week, so that's going to be a huge pickup for the must bus. I know Kentucky... They lost uh, Devin Askew. He went to Texas, Yeah, which it's still weird that Texas doesn't have Shaka Smart yeah. anymore. I, which I do love the hire yeah, by them. Yeah. I think Chris Beard, he's a great coach at developing players. Yeah. And when you get players like Texas are already going to come to your program because the big recruiting with Texas, it being Texas. Right. That's a great combination, and I feel like you know it's already working out with Devin Askew. Didn't really pan out with Kentucky. Never got going with the program. Came in early, reclassified into this season. Was up and down as a player. I feel like you know it's a good fresh start for him in Texas, and we'll see what happens with him. Yeah, I'm with you. I like the uh, the beard hire to Texas, but it's weird him going from Texas Tech, especially like. I mean, that's just weird. Interstate, Texas is a big state, given, but, you know, it's still a weird. And then the Texas Tech AD comes out, and it's like, from what I understood, we were just going to have a revolving lifetime contract. Speaking of, Bill Self got one at Kansas. It felt like he had had that, but uh, good for him. I do like Shaka going to Marquette. Marquette kind of, not a sleeper school, but, you know, you get... Sleeper athletes. Hey I man, guess? Heat Legends. D. Two Heat Legends. Huh? Three. Three. I forgot. I mean, Jay Crowder, man. Are we gonna call him a Heat Legend? He did leave us. He did lead us to the NBA Finals. That's though. fair. Three <laughs> Heat Legends. I give it to Marquette. Yeah. 
D-Wade, Jimmy Butler, and Jay Crowder, man. Yeah. Can't disrespect them. I was, but yeah, Marquette, man, it's 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 still a basketball school, I want to say. Yeah, yeah, I mean, definitely. It, it, they haven't had recent success, but they've been good in the past. They've had great, you know, recruits. They've had great players pan out. We had Marcus Howard there a couple years ago go off. You know, maybe they'll get that Shaka Smart special where they look good and flame out in the Sweet 16 like he did with every other team. But, hey, he's better than nothing. It is better than nothing. <laughs> it is better than nothing. Made the Final Four at BCU. You can't forget that. Yeah. I mean, he should have done so well at Texas, though. He should have. And but, they should have beat Abilene Christian. I had Texas in the Final Four, not to mention the National Championship. Yeah. I thought, I was like, you know what? Shaka Smart, let's make another Final Four run. You got shooters. You got length. You got size. You got heart. You got hustle. You can do this. You failed. No, yeah. You not failed. You lost 53-52 to 52 to a 14 seed. I mean, it was such a bad game. It was. Like, no, when you, was. When you look at it, Shaka Smart just picked up his bags, left, you know, D1, Texas. Yeah. For no reason, like wasn't fired or anything. Said, "Hey, I'm out. I'm going to Marquette." Like the loss was that bad. Some people cannot handle the pressure. I mean, he didn't, but he did grow his hair back. I'll give him that. Good for him. <laughs> yeah. You know, no longer bald. <laughs> yeah, which is weird, but that's a completely different thing. He looks a lot younger now. He does, but it's just he should be bald. Shaka Smart's bald. Yeah, you know, in my mind, he is bald. Yeah, I agree. And going from. Devin Askew to Texas, the whole Shaka Smart move to Marquette. Another SEC big move was Alabama got some pretty big recruits and transfers this past week, didn't they? Yeah, they got Barnett from Texas Tech, obviously with the Chris Beard, you know, leaving. That obviously pushed him out. Uh, their biggest signing was probably Charles Bidaka. I don't want to mess up his last name. Uh, from IMG's five-star center, which is huge for Alabama. I can't think of the last true center who was really out there. Shout-out Levi Randolph. He was size of a small forward playing power forward and center. Auburn had a couple good ones. Auburn had uh, Jabari Smith and Trey Alexanderson. They got Walker Kessler, who's a center from North Carolina, I guess after the Roy Williams uh, retirement, which is huge news. You don't drop that on April 1st. I just want to throw that in there because I didn't think it was real. Did you think it was real? No. <laughs> no, I mean, yeah, that was just weird. The SEC is going to be fun next year. Tennessee got some big players, too. Yeah. Tennessee has just, I don't want to say flip-flop their program because, you know, they've always been pretty relevant. Yeah. But, wow. Rick Barnes has really flipped that program around since coming there from Texas. The last couple of years, you had Grant Williams with Schofield. Their team, even this year, was competitive. They're looking like this might be their best team so far while he's been at Tennessee. Pretty big recruits, transfers coming in. Solid depth oh, overall. Yeah. And uh, today, like as of recording this this morning, uh, they got Brandon Huntley Hyattfield, uh, yeah. the five star forward. Uh, he's reclassifying, so he's going to be able to play next season. Yeah. That's huge for them. SEC basketball is it's back. <laughs> the SEC is going to be terrifying next year. <laughs> I mean, it's in the best be possible so, way. Yeah. It's going to be so competitive, and I love it because this year was pretty much a down year. You had Alabama. Pretty much just wiped the floor with everyone. I mean, LSU was competitive, but LSU got blown up by Alabama twice in the regular season. Auburn was on self-imposed probation. Sharif Cooper didn't really play because of that a little bit, and also his injury. Did him declaring surprise you? No. I, I think Sharif Cooper is NBA-ready. Yeah. I think he's the typical NBA guard. He's a pass-first scorer. He can drive in, yep. pass it out, dish it out. I mean, he's, he makes his team better. 
For sure, yeah. And that, I think I think whoever gets in the, the draft is going to get a steal. Yeah, his first game uh, this season against Alabama, yeah. he was lights out. And I was telling some people, I was like, if he continues his play, don't be surprised if he leaves. And everybody's like, no, uh, he's not getting to play a full season. We're not making the postseason. I'm sure we'll come back. No, he, he left. And I, I can see him as a lottery pick. I think he's going to do good. Arkansas is still, you know, they're, they're going to be up there with Alabama. You know, yeah, Alabama Arkansas kinda, is me. Good in the coming years. Oh yeah, they they ran the table. Bama did this season. I think uh, I think it's gonna be them and uh, Arkansas going back and forth. They just signed Musselman to a new five year deal yesterday, so that should be. I, I like Musselman a lot. I like him in Arkansas. It's a good fit. That offense has completely changed. He's big on. Um, I like how he doesn't really recruit high school players. He's more. I'm gonna take your transfers. Yeah, <laughs> it works out. I mean, I'm excited to see what they'll do uh, with that guy out of Pitt. I see basketball's gonna be fun next year. For sure. Cannot wait to watch it. Cannot wait. And it's off season's nowhere close to being over. You're just gonna have a lot more recruiting transfers to happen. But thank you, Kale, for joining us. Always a great time with you. Yeah, thanks for having me on. I love talking basketball. Make sure to follow us on all social media platforms right here, up tempo. Until next time, I'm Craig Cameron. So long. <laughs>